0: Let's go to John chapter fourteen. Let's we better get into this before I get in trouble. John chapter fourteen. Thomas, how many? I remember Thomas, his history, right? Thomas said to him, "Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way?" Now Thomas again is thinking like a lot of us. How do I? Get to where you are instead of how do I become who or how do I become like you are. Big difference. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him, and you have seen him. See, this is more than just a way to heaven. This is a way of knowing. It makes a big difference. And we've looked at the, I am the way, and immediately we think, well, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, that's true. But that's not, but it's incomplete. It's incomplete. Verse, uh, next verse. Believe, did I miss one? I'm sorry. Go back. Sorry. Believe me. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the work yourselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Not just about salvation, is it? If you start walking in the way, you start doing miracles like Jesus did. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Wow. And whatever, say whatever, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, don't say you love me. When you don't want to do what I do and ask and do what I say, it's more than the way to heaven. Hearing what I'm saying, two more verses. And I will pray the Father, and He'll give you another helper. See, He's going away. I'm going to send another helper. That he may abide. Here we go again. Here we go. The Holy Ghost. He sent the Holy Ghost, not just so you can shout, not just so you can run the aisles and speak in tongues, not just so you can feel Holy Ghost goosebumps. Do helicopters. That he will abide, live with you for ever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you my god give him praise in the house there were first called christians let me review a little bit first called christians at antioch but it was a disparaging thing. They were making fun of them. They're little Christs, all these little Christs running around. <laughs> but they didn't call themselves Christians. That was a few hundred years later. Acts chapter 9, verse 2, we we we'll go through this quickly. They asked letters from him from the synagogues of Damascus. When people would move around, they would carry letters of approval with them, so that if he found any who were of the... Oh, so it's called the way. What do you even call Christianity? This is called the way. Chapter 19, verse 23. About that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. Capital W. Chapter 24, verse 14. But this I confess to you that according to the which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which were written, the law and the prophets. But it was according to the way. And people understood that what was happening is that a way of living that was different from any of the, uh, any of the other things that people would follow. All the other gods. See, the Romans didn't care. They had a lot of gods. They didn't care what god you served. You can serve an Egyptian God, serve a Babylonian God, serve a Roman God, serve a Greek God. They not care what God you serve because his way of Christ. Because his way is exclusive. And it really got them upset because they were rejecting. And by the way, that's why people don't like us today. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Can I get an amen? Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, I've read this. You've read this a thousand times. But it's been haunting me lately. It's been troubling me. Not everyone who prays is going to heaven It's been messing with me because Jesus sometimes would would heal people, but he didn't ask them to follow. That tells me perhaps you could be healed and not go to heaven. They had even faith to be healed, but there's no mention of them following. I'm haunted by this. What in the world? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not anyone's judge. But when you look in the Scriptures, there's really only two groups of people in the New Testament, disciples and crowds. There's followers and crowds. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. And we have got to continue to have compassion On every belief, regardless of their lifestyle, what they believe, the way they act, we have to have compassion. We need to pray God heal them, God deliver them, God feed them. We've we've got to have compassion as Christ had compassion. We can't just lock ourselves up in these four walls and say, well, we're going to heaven. Y'all come find us if... Jesus had compassion on the crowds, but they only came for the bread and the miracles. I'm afraid, I'm concerned that in the church world today, we have too many people that go to church for the wrong reason. They come for the good feeling. And I know that's true because when the Holy Ghost doesn't move the way they think, the Holy Ghost should move when they don't get their needs met, when their song's not being sung. When they didn't even shake my hand. All of a sudden, they're all offended because it's all about them. I'm here this morning. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not, I'm not even here to make you feel good. I hope you feel good. I hope you like the message. I hope someone shook your hand and smiled and made you feel good. All that, there's nothing wrong with that. But my purpose is to deliver a word from heaven this morning that will challenge and change your life and not make you feel better. If you're healed, oh hallelujah! If you're delivered, hallelujah! But the that the goal is to make followers of Jesus. Well, the Great Commission. Read the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight. It says, "Teaching them, teaching them." yeah, I have a job to teach, but I can't make you a disciple. That's your choice. And people say, well, we need to disciple. No, you're either a disciple or you're not. I can teach you things to make you a better disciple, but it's not about, well, we need to disciple people because they're not. No, no, discipleship is a choice. Our altar call last Sunday was, come. Besides, I don't know, how in the world are you are going to go to heaven if you're not following? Well, my sins are forgiven. Get off my back, preacher. I'm not your judge. I'm not your judge. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus didn't die just so you can go to heaven. He wants to restore whew, the garden life to you where he walks with Adam in the cool of the day. Can I get an amen? Oh, hallelujah. Am I in trouble? Are you okay? Luke chapter 6, not 66, 6. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. So he had more than 12. And a great and there, and there's the crowd, really, and a great what multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him, not follow. I don't know that you should come to church just to hear a good message. They came to hear him and be healed of their disease, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. And Jesus never fusses at them about that. But next verse. There is no next verse. Is that 17 and 18? Yes? Okay. So there you have it. There's the disciples and the crowd. And Jesus was okay with that, but he's not just looking for people to be healed. He's not just trying to cast demons out. He'll do that. And we've done that around these altars. Yes, this church casts out demons. I got some of your attention. Don't look around. It might be in you. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Ooh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you know, and, and, and it blew my mind, and how many were here last Sunday, we talked about when Jesus told Peter and the fishermen, follow me, right? And just real quick, man, we talked about that, how that they were, uh, they, you, know, you know, five years old, they would go to Bible school or whatever, and they would, and by the time they were uh, uh, eight, what was it, eight, nine, ten, whatever it was, they had memorized the first five books of the Bible, and the real, can you imagine? To go further, and they would memorize the whole Old Testament. Can you imagine? If you didn't have a good memory, you'd be, you just wouldn't be chosen. I never would have made it, even today. Between drugs and old age, I'm handicapped, amen. Ah, I quit the drugs years ago. I gotta quit saying it up here, but what? Do the math, do the math. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Going with the rabbi. Okay, Some were chosen to get promoted and okay, and then uh, just a handful would be chosen uh, if they if if the rabbi thought that this guy could be a rabbi, you know. And then they would choose them. But those, that's like one in a thousand, one in two thousand. I don't know what the percentage is. But very few people were chosen that. But they had a saying. And the rabbi would just look at you and he'd say, Follow me. And that was like the greatest thing. There were no other schools, this was the highest thing. This would be like being in our society, being a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, this is the moneymaker. This is, the, money maker. This is, the, this is the, the highest thing that could happen in your life. Two words, follow me. And Jesus said it to dropouts. How many believe Peter did not make it past eight years old? He, how many believe Peter was a problem in school? How many believe he put his foot in his mouth even back then? No, no, he got, he, got, he got booted out with the first group, and he figured, you know, my daddy was a fisherman, my daddy's daddy was a fisherman, my daddy's daddy's daddy was a fisherman. And I will be a fisherman, my children will be fishermen. But guess what? Follow me! Changed everything. Because I've always wondered, why in the world would you drop your nets and your, your income Leave your, you know, Peter was married, and he just he just walked. He didn't walk away from his wife, but how many know he was gone a lot? And 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 why would you do that? Now now, I'm, am I helping you understand that better? For someone to say, "Follow me," that's a chance of a lifetime. I mean, Peter never saw that coming, but you know what? That ought to give us all hope because he said the same two words to you and me when we weren't. But you weren't all that then. And he said, Follow me. Not just follow me to heaven, follow me. I am the way. I'm the way to live. I'm the way to pray. I'm the way to witness. I'm the way to deal with people. He's the way. That's why the world's persecuting us because we are so weird. We are so different because we walk a different way. And I promise you, it is the goal of the enemy and the world system to make you conform to their system. And if you don't, you will be persecuted. Can anybody help me in this place? All right. So let's get practical real quick about this. You know, what what are the practical things? How How do we follow him? And, I, and one of the clues is right there in the Scripture. Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'm sending another. And that Greek word, it's hard to translate in the English. It doesn't, because it really means another one like the first one. So he says, when I'm sending you another comforter, he means I'm going to send you another Christ. I'm going to send someone just like me. Now, that's saying a lot because the Holy Spirit's not there bodily. But he's saying the Holy Spirit will be such an impact on your life, it'll be as if I'm physically walking with you. That's why you need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Uh, If you're saved Christian uh, follower, he lives in you. But that's different from you being baptized in him. That's a whole different level. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So you got the Holy Spirit. He's the, he's the, the God. He's not. A, don't ever say it. He's a person of the Trinity. And he is the connection. You're, you're made, oh, I don't have time for all this. You're made body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit is from God. God does not commune with flesh and blood, as it were. He communes in the spirit. The problem is if you're not a follower, your spirit is disconnected. And that's, why, that's where you get wizards and sorcerers because they've connected their spirit to a demon. Say, so I don't believe people can predict the future. Uh, some can because <laughs> they're connected to demons. So don't follow someone just because they're accurate. (laughs) Amen. You can get information. I better not tell you this. You can get information from demons. I don't know that you want to trust that, and I don't know. By the way, there's a price for that. Your soul. So let's serve the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is that connection then with your spirit. So the issue is, how do you get from where you can hear speaking to your spirit to getting that in your mind, where you can hear the voice of God? And we talked about this, right? We we said that it has to go through that filter. And some of us have clogged filters. Amen? I still need, that reminds me still need to change my furnace filters. Eh? How many know they work better when they're clean? How many know when you're, oh, here, yeah, thank you. When you have a dirty filter, you're, you're getting some air, but you're also getting some polluted air. How many want clean filters? Remove sin from your life. Oh, my God. No wonder some people get mixed messages. All right. So we need, we need that clear filter, and then we begin to, but, but we've got to find ways, find ways to connect to our spirit. It's kind of like this. I just had this thought. Thank you, Holy Ghost. They say that if a baby's born and it's never touched, it will die. Why is that? Because every time you touch the baby, and that's why you want bright things in the nursery and things moving around, because the baby is born, some assembly required. And when you touch that baby, neurons fire to the brain and the ear and the eyes and the hand, and things begin to connect. As you touch them, as you speak to the baby, as as you turn a light on, and and eventually, its body it starts connecting to the brain. It works the same way in the spirit. So I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be around Christians. Yeah, you're 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 needing some assembly. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you don't like them. I don't know. But we need each other. We need to touch one another. That's why you need to pray. That's why you need to be in church whenever the doors are open. Because you you still have, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, there's still some assembly required in you, in me. Come on. Can we be honest? How many perfect people do we have here? I'm waiting for a hand to raise and then the rapture occur for that person, right? Because you're perfect. You get to go home right now. (laughs) All our wives are, I know. I know that. I know that. I've been taught that. Yeah, no rapture for me. (laughs) Jesus, help us. It works the same way in the Spirit. That's why it pays to pray, to spend time in His Word. It pays to get up in the morning, and instead of your first thought be a worry, your first thought ought to be, good morning, Holy Spirit. When you go to bed, your last thought ought to be, good night, Holy Spirit. All day long, you need to be connecting. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you're on your knees 24 hours a day. It means you have developed, and I underestimate, I mean, I, no, that's not the word. I underline (laughs) that you must practice this. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time for all the neurons to fire. I, I was reading, and this guy, this guy's not a Christian. He's a neuroscientist, Dr. Donald Hebb, I don't know who he is, but he said it, so I'll quote him. He said, the neurons that fire together wire together. I like that. If Paul knew, if Paul knew about neurons, he would have put that in the Bible. But, but he put it in a different way. But as you, as you do spiritual things, you start putting spiritual wires together in your head to the point where... You can walk and talk with him all day long. How many know we're being bombarded with all kinds of things? I, I, I read another guy this week, oh, uh, um, Henry, Henry Newen. By the way, if you ever want to read some books that'll blow your mind, uh, read Henry Newen, or Henri, maybe it's pronounced. He said, Sometimes my brain is like a banana tree full of monkeys. Some of you had so many monkeys, you didn't hear what I just said. Okay. My brain's like a banana tree full of monkeys. They're picking. They're swinging from branch to branch. They're fighting amongst themselves. I said, that's a perfect, perfect picture of pastoring a church. No, I'm happy to be your pastor. I really am. Listen. Listen. But can you imagine that? They're squealing, they're squawking, they're grabbing, they're you know, and, and that's, that's, that's the world. That's your, that's your mind dealing with this world. But you need to start learning how to step away from the tree, you go find a cave where there are no monkeys and no bananas, and just get still and know that he is God. And eventually... There's a, a monk from the previous century, they just call him Brother Lawrence. And he wrote a book. You, every Christian ought to read it Practicing the Presence. Just practicing the presence. Brother Lawrence. And really, his job, as he wasn't a priest, he was a monk. His job, his only job, was to wash dishes at the monastery. And he said, you know, three meals a day. He said he didn't have a dishwasher. <laughs> And he said it was constant noise, constant confusion, people coming and going, throwing plates in his sink. And he said it was just a constant noise. And he said, but over time, I learned how to hear God in the midst of all that racket. He said it took time. He said it's easy to hear God when it's quiet at night. Well, not always, because your brain still, you know, you still got the monkeys. <laughs> but he said, with all that racket going on, I practiced and I practiced, and eventually I could wash dishes and scrape plates and still hear the voice of God. I could still feel his presence in the racket, practicing the presence of God. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Remember Jesus said that we need to abide in the vine? I am the vine. You are the neurons. Amen. One way, I I describe it. It's not a perfect illustration, but if you like baseball, you know there's such a thing called touching base. Y'all familiar with that? If you're on base, right? Right? What you do is you go off. You're wanting to steal that next base, right? And that's a high stress, high you know. The pitcher's watching you out of the corner of his eye. The first baseman's reaching out. Aren't you glad I can reach out? One more inch. I go to my PT people. Like I said, you know, you know, physical tortures. Um. I said, come on, you got to help me get my praise on. I said, all right, Pastor, we just about got you there. Doesn't look like I'm going to need any surgery. Rebuke that in Jesus' name. Amen. I hate to preach with a sling. God's not in that, right? Where was I? You laugh, but it's only going to get worse. Amen. Touching base. But after he throws the pitch, right, and nothing happens, everything just calms down, right? All fielders calm down. Everyone's cal- And what do you do? You have to go back, touch base, and then you can go back to the high pressure. So that's where it starts. You need to learn how to touch base while you're driving down the road. Just like, oh. I need to touch base. How are you doing, Jesus? What's going on? Hallelujah. In the middle of a hard conversation, you'll learn how to touch base. But you start in the quiet moments. You start when everything just kind of dies down, everything's quiet, and then you say, okay, 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 this is easy now. I got to touch base. Then I can go on to the next thing. I'm not encouraging you to steal anything, but you you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) I said it's not a perfect metaphor, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying, right? Does that help anybody? I mean, we we preachers we get so theological, and you know, it's like what are you talking about? I'm trying to bring it home to you so you can you could just begin to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Some of you visit in the Spirit, but you don't walk in the Spirit. And we've got to do that by connecting the neurons. Can I get an amen? A couple more scriptures. I'm almost done. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Amen. Worship team can even come up if they want to. You got that scripture? Mark 3, what did I say? 13. Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve. Purpose that they may be with. Y'all can't read. With him. You're called. You're not, you're not first of all called to raise the dead or heal the sick. You're called to be with Him. He is the way. And then if you're with Him, you get the second that. If you're with Him, you can preach. You can have power to heal sickness, authority over demons. Come on. But we get the cart before the horse and we just said, I don't know why I can't pray and believe. Well, are you with him? Is your way his way or are you going your way and expecting the miraculous?